Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's kind of hard to get up here and talk after that. Wow. I was going to miss you so much. I've, it's been an awesome, awesome privilege to be, uh, to be your pastor here. And um, after hearing about the martyrdom of Lady Jane Grey, and Pastor Rick told me, I don't know, a few weeks ago that this was kind of my funeral service. I don't know exactly what you're all trying to tell me. But uh, maybe you're like Agabus. Remember Agabus, the prophet in Acts 21, who took the Apostle Paul's belt, tied it around his hands and feet, and said, you know, the Holy Spirit says in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, I don't know. Is the road, is the only road ahead marked with suffering? I don't think so. But if it is, I welcome it. In fact, uh, there's, some, there's some dear people from Temple Baptist Church, some representatives of our leadership and, uh, and the school there, and uh, actually the new teaching pastor at Temple Baptist Church is here, my father. He's going to be uh, joining me on, on staff there. I'm just letting you know, know that. And uh, I told them when I candidated that um, there might be some difficult times ahead. And they said, well, we know we need to change or we'll die. And I humbly said, actually, you need to die and then you'll change. Because death always precedes resurrection, doesn't it? So tonight, I'm happy to give my last will and testament. One writes their last will and testament before they die. So if you see me kicking around for the next few months, um, I still have a few things to say, but this is, this is it. This is for all of you. Now, in a last will and testament, usually one gives their, their final instructions and bequests and inheritance. And you know how frugal I am, so I don't have an inher- inheritance for you. And uh, you know how I try to... I can feed my whole family at Swiss Chalet on a half-chicken dinner. So... You know, I, I can get by, but um, um, I do have a few instructions. In fact, they're not merely my instructions, they're Jesus' instructions. They're from, from some of the final words that Jesus gave, and they don't get much press time. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at, look at Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 1. And um, these are some of the final words leading up to the cross, and... Uh, so turn in your Bibles, and if you don't know where that is, the Gospel of Luke, starting in verse um, 1 of chapter 17. And I think it's important that we go to God's Word. So, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith... As small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. And it will, or it would have obeyed you literally. 
Suppose one of you had a servant plowing, you're looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down and eat. Would he not rather say, Prepare my supper, and get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, every one of us listening here, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now this passage seems to be almost like a smattering of thoughts. What is Jesus really getting at in this passage? Well, after reflecting and meditating and studying on these verses, I believe Jesus is describing what it means to be his servant. In this passage, Jesus uses a prediction, he uses a caution, he uses an instruction, and finally a motivation to describe what it means to be his servant. So here's the question for you. Do you want to be a servant of Jesus? Do you want to be a servant of Jesus? If so, here's what Jesus says right off the bat. You're going to experience lots of of trouble. You're going to experience lots of deadly traps. Look at verse 1. It says, Things that cause people to sin are bound to come. The New American Standard puts it this way It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. That word stumbling block, scandalon, is, is the root word from which we get scandals. Now, Calvary, I'm not saying at all that you're going to experience scandals, but sometimes churches do. Scandals or, or stumbling blocks refer, as Linsky says, to a death trap, which is baited so that when the bait is um, touched, the stick holding the bait springs the trap. And the creature, the person, is caught inside. Being a servant of Christ is dangerous. Satan wants to take you out. Your association with Jesus means that the world will hate you. Just this week I was engaging some atheists in, uh, some, in a skeptic symposium and I was reminded just how much people hate the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus predicted this, didn't he? In, in John 16, 18, he says, As the world hates me, so the world will also hate you. Being a servant of Jesus is deadly. It's dangerous. And Jesus is giving us advance notice of the traps and dangers. Like one of those, you know, those road signs ahead where you see, okay, the gravel is going to be loose. Or there's a bend around the corner. Or it's, it's icy on the bridge. Jesus is giving us warning of the difficulty ahead. Isn't it so much better, though, when you're not surprised? I remember what Pastor Rick said. The first day, maybe Rick, you remember this too. The first day that I, I came on staff here, and we sat in your office, and he said, I have one rule. No surprises, John. No surprises. That has served me well. Hopefully I've lived up to, to that for the most part. Calvary, there is danger ahead. I foresee temptation and persecution around the corner. The question is, will you stumble? 
Just the other day, my son had to, uh, to give um, kind of a, one of those oral presentations in his grade three class. And he usually gets great grades on these, thanks because he's coached by his mother, who's actually the best speaker in the family. And um, she helps coach him and get everything ready for these presentations. And so as he went to school, he found out that his, his teacher, his regular teacher, his Christian, wasn't there. And so he had a substitute teacher. And the assignment was to present his favorite story and describe the story and why it is so important to him. So, under his own choice, jo- Josiah chose the story of Jesus turning water into wine. I'm not sure why he likes that story so much. We don't drink wine in our house. Maybe he thinks it's just so amazing. I don't know. Anyways, he, he, that's what he told. He told that story. When he got home, how, and we asked him how it went. He, he said in this typical grade three boys kind of response, good. We probed a little further, and apparently his classmates asked lots of questions. One of them being, why did Jesus turn water into wine? Which Josiah answered, to show that he was the Son of God. Now we're not sure how well this went over with the supply teacher, since um, when we got his grade back, he got a C. And his regular teacher made a note that it was graded by the supply teacher. Teachers, you do that, right? You know what I want to say today? I think that was Josiah's best grade all year. I was very proud of him. I think that's just the foreboding and foreshadowing of things to come. There's going to be great hostility to Christianity in this nation unless, unless there is revival that God sends. But I want to tell you this. It's dangerous to serve Jesus. But it's more dangerous not to serve Jesus. And here's the caution, going back to verse 1 and 2. Jesus continues on and says, But woe to that person through whom they come, those sins, those stumbling blocks. It will be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Jesus' strong caution to us is that we do not cause others to sin, especially little ones. Those, those little ones are, are those younger in the faith, which conveys both physical and, and spiritual immaturity. Now sometimes in our efforts to think we're serving the Lord, we're actually causing others to stumble, especially little eyes and ears taking it all in. I know that as a young dad. Though I don't want any of you to sin, one of the gravest sins is to create an environment where for the supposed sake of the truth, there's much fighting and disunity within the body. I have witnessed churches which have lost a whole generation of young people due to, due to their fighting when they thought they were actually serving Jesus. However, in reality, they were serving their own agenda. Calvary... God has blessed us with ministering to all the generations. Just look around. We have all the generations represented here. We have been entrusted with young people. Look across this room. They, they presented this, mor- this, this morning and, and then tonight. We've been, we've been entrusted with children and with new believers. Wasn't it awesome? 
People got saved this morning in that baptismal tank. (laughs) Praise the Lord, right? So do not cause them to sin or go astray through compromising the gospel with rules or self-effort. Do not cause them to sin or go astray with inconsistent behavior to the commands of Christ. Verse 3, so watch yourselves. Instead of inconsistency, be full of grace. Be full of grace. Be full of grace. That was the first sermon I gave you when I candidated here over 10 years ago. It's about grace, and it still is about grace. And so we're led to the the instruction of Jesus. Now, proclaim. When you studied about Lady Jane Grey, did you know that Lady Jane Grey's executioner actually asked her forgiveness, which she granted him before doing his duty? Even a dying servant of Jesus must be full of grace. And this is why Jesus requires in verses 3 and 4, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, repent forgive him. Forgiveness should mark out Calvary Baptist Church. Forgiveness should mark out Temple Baptist Church. Revival will only occur when forgiveness is sought and it's received. Why? Because we are servants of the living and forgiving Jesus. N.T. Wright comments on this verse. He says, when you forgive someone, you are making yourself their servant not their master. You are saying that you are no longer going to require that they must pay. In Proverbs twenty-two seventeen, there's this phrase that Solomon says, the borrower is servant to the lender. In other words, debts enslave you. This is true physically with our resources, but it's also true spiritually. However, when you take that debt that somebody owes you and you take it to the cross... And let Jesus take care of it. He just didn't take care of your debts. He took care of the debts that are owed against you. When you do that, you truly can be a servant of Jesus. You're no longer trying to control them. Wanting them to pay you back for the wrong they committed. The loss you incurred. And as a servant of Jesus, you will need to keep forgiving and keep showing grace. Warren Wearsby calls this... Um, You need to develop the habit of forgiving. Develop the habit of forgiving. Will you do that tonight? Now, if not, I'd remind you again of the cross. What does Jesus do? He forgives and he forgives and he forgives and he forgives. His mercies are new every morning. And why does he forgive? The answer is actually found in a very peculiar phrase that the disciples reply back to Jesus. In verse 5, they said, increase your faith. Increase your faith. Now, immediately I think, why would would the disciples say that? Shouldn't they say, "Increase, increase our love. Increase our love, Jesus. Help us to love more. But mark this down. Forgiveness requires faith. When you forgive, you are trusting in the promise that God will will take that offense against you, uproot it from your heart, 
and like throw it into the sea so that it is no more. That's what he says. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. We have mulberry trees on, on the property here in the church, over here at the church house. They're actually in bloom. Over there, once in a while, I go over there and grab a little snack. And apparently mulberry trees have very deep roots. And so Jesus is saying that even a little bit of faith in me, and trusting in my promise to take care of this, this sin that has been against you, Jesus is saying, I can uproot it. And I can put it almost like in the sea so it will be never seen again. That's what happened tonight. And today, when you forgave people. It happened in, in the Hickey's life. When they forgave others who hurt, hurt them. It's gone. I see my friend Dennis Weedrick here. And he teaches sin does not evaporate. Right? It's true. It must be dealt with. And the good news today is that it has been dealt with at the cross. If we'll take it there and let the blood of Jesus cleanse and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we forgive, we are saying, I'm trusting Jesus' promise of grace and healing. Forgiveness requires faith. Which leads to our final motivation. And the motivation that Jesus provides is in the story of the dutiful servant. Now, often... We're thinking about reward, aren't we, in life? I am thinking about reward. What we've earned today. In the case of this servant here in verses 7 through 10, he could have maybe started to buy into the McDonald's philosophy of, of a few years ago. You deserve a break today. The servant in Jesus' day weren't expecting the master to prepare a gourmet meal and so they could take a refreshing shower. No, the servant was to keep working even if he was tired. Rest comes when the master says so. As Daryl Bach comments, given our past, we have no right to negotiate with God about the conditions of our service. Here's one of the things that God's taught me over the last number of years. The assignment matters less and less to me. And the desire to please the master matters so much more and more. I came to the conclusion that I didn't aspire to be a senior pastor and lead pastor. I've had lots of people who affirmed me in that. And uh, I can really say, I've told many of you this, this is not a promotion. It's just another assignment that our master has called me to do. If you're always worried about a position or operating in your strengths, your identity will always be wrapped up in what you do rather than who you belong to. Who do you belong to? Jesus. We are slaves to God, but bought at a great price at God's Son. We can never put God in our debt. We may think that God owes us, but He owes us nothing but hell. So, brothers and sisters, friends, family members, we must eliminate the mentality of reward from our hearts and from our minds. 
our attitude should be that that we have only done our duty. Obedience is not a matter of merit, though God does honor it, but of duty, as one commentator says it. We do not have the right to pick and choose what to obey. Now some of you are saying, John, I know my Bible, but there's all these rewards that Jesus promises to give us. Have you read those rewards? The servants who are rewarded, they're always surprised. Lord, when did we see you in prison? And when did we see you sick and, and naked? And when did we see you hungry? They're surprised at the master doling out the rewards. You know why? Because the reward has already been given. You've already been given the reward. So have I. The reward is God himself, Jesus. You've been given Jesus. That's the inheritance we receive. Ultimately, God himself. Now, as a father, I can sometimes tell my kids would rather have my stuff than me. Daddy, can I get this gum at the store? Daddy, can I play with your iPad? After a while, it starts to bother me. Do they just want my stuff? And then I started to think, you know what? I do that with God, too. I want his stuff. This is why the message is so important. If you can't remember anything else, remember this. Serve like you already have been rewarded. Because you have. You've been given Jesus, the greatest gift. Serving like you already have been rewarded invokes thanksgiving. We serve out of gratitude. So in some, servants of Jesus are going to be offended. You're going to be offended. You're going to have difficulty in life. Some of you, as I look out across, you're experiencing difficulty right now. But, but as a servant of Christ, you should never offend others. Instead, habitually, habitually forgiving by faith and dutifully serving out of gratitude. And so, gratitude is what is on my lips tonight. Let me conclude by giving thanks to God for I'm only an unworthy servant. I don't deserve forgiveness. But Christ gave it to me. I received it. And on top of that, he's given me the immense privilege of serving you as one of your pastors these last 10 years. So I'm not going to name a lot of names tonight. It's not an award show. But what I'd like to do is, if, for the next couple months, I'd just like to talk to you individually and just tell you and encourage you what, what, how you've, you've blessed my life and what the Spirit wants to tell you. But I want to say this in generalities. First of all, the church, I want to thank you. I was 27 years old when you invited me to become your adult ministries pastor. That was crazy. I was barely an adult myself. I barely hit puberty. I couldn't even grow one of these beards back then. <laughs> However, taking a chance on a young guy something, communicated something very important. The young are valuable contributors to the kingdom of God. Look what you have done. Look what we have welcomed. I praise God for your courageous and strategic thinking because you've noticed that instead of losing the young, we have gained them back. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. I love you all at every age, but I am particularly jazzed about the coming days 
because our young adults have such passion for Jesus Christ. Keep going. Keep going. Thank you, church, for how you've loved me and my family. One of the things you can be proud of is that, that my kids love coming to Calvary because they're here a lot. I also want to thank my partners in prayer who every week you pray for me and as I send out those emails. And I just encourage you as a church, pray extraordinary prayers. Pray extra. Believe God for big things. Plead for revival. And then the leaders. This includes our adult ministries leaders, past and present, in men's and women's ministries, five alive, socials, adult Sunday school, small groups, young adults, library and integration. All those in adult ministries. It's been an awesome privilege to work alongside you as adult ministries leader, who are all gifted and capable leaders who lead at such a high level. You lead in ministries larger than most churches in North America. The average church is only 75. In the fellowship, it's 87. And most in adult ministries have ministries between 150 and 200. You're outstanding leaders. And you have been such a blessing to my life. You're the reason why we've seen such, such great advance in this church. I also want to thank the ministry staff and the office staff. You have made me look so much better than I really am. And then there's our deacons. I mean, hasn't it been awesome to have such unity? I mean, usually there's an adversarial relationship with deacons. It's been, it's been fun. Like, Scott was telling the truth when he said, we really hang out for two or three hours after the deacons meeting and just try to work on life's problems. It's been awesome. So I thank you for, to God for the strong and godly leaders you are and how unified you've been. And I just pray, and I'll continue to pray that you'll, you'll be unified. And then there's the pastors. First of all, I'm going to say Pastor Dwayne. I consider it an honor that you would trust me with your interior life. Comes into my office and shares his thinking and his heart and mind. And, and, and Dwayne, um, Dwayne's a very verbal guy, okay? And so he loves to just share all those things. And, and it's been an awesome privilege to, uh, I don't even see, where are you doing? Oh, over there, bro. Okay. Um, it's been awesome to serve alongside you. And Pastor Ken who's actually my first deacon partner. I don't think he snuck in because he's supposed to be on sabbatical. But uh, he's been such a loyal friend. We've just seen eye to eye and worked together so well. Pastor Steve, thank you for um, helping me become a better leader. And even more importantly, thank you for helping my family to worship God. I still remember sitting in that pew the first Sunday I was here, and tears were just streaming down my face because I felt the tangible presence of the Lord as we worshiped God here. I love worshiping God. Thank you for putting up with my exuberance, I'll put it that way, in my worship. Pastor Calvin, I will always remember those Monday nights before you became a pastor, after basketball, where we would be on our knees praying and seeking the Lord for our lives and for our families' lives and for this church. And I think that God was preparing you with the right posture of being on your knees before the Lord and submitting to Him before He called you as a pastor. And then there's uh, Pastor Rick and Lynn and the whole Baker clan. How do I say thank you for 23 years of influence? Temple's getting a lot of Rick Baker. Your mentoring and sermons 
And most of all, sharing your heart and mind with me through the years is one of the one of the greatest gifts that God has given me in my life. Thanks, Rick. And then finally, I just want to say thank you to some friends who are out from outside of Calvary. I'd be remiss to not thank Bernie and Vic and Bruce. Um, and uh, for the past 10 years, we've, we've met together on Wednesdays to hold each other accountable. I wouldn't even be here without you. Um, you are all seasoned lead pastors, 25 years my senior, and you always treated me with respect and acceptance while still challenging me with, with holiness. And Bernie, it's been particularly a privilege to walk with you through uh, the homegoing of your beloved Irene. I love you very much, and we continue to pray for you. Uh, brothers and sisters, I just want to say, I don't know how you do life without a small group of believers. Do you find, especially those 27 people who got baptized this morning, do what Jesus did. Gather together in groups, smaller groups, triads, and do life together. Thank you, everybody. Let's make much of Christ. Thank you for honoring us, but I have to say we're only unworthy servants who hope, hopefully have done our duty. So will you be a servant of Jesus? Will you be a servant of Jesus? Let me pray a blessing on you. Father, thank you for, thank you, Jesus, for the, thank you for being the shepherd of this church, the ultimate shepherd, the chief shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm just a servant. But thank you so much for the awesome privilege of being a pastor at Calvary Baptist Church, one of your bright lights in this nation, and a, a, a church that's been used to reach the nations and to, to be a part of the Great Commission. I pray it would only continue and be blessed a thousandfold, Lord. Help them to disciple the nations. Help them to live pure and holy lives. Father, I pray that you would send revival to this, this church. That you would, you would use this church to win so many people to Christ that you would double the amount of believers in this nation. Use this church to do it. Use other churches in the region, churches that I dearly love. And so, Father protect them, keep them close to your heart. Let them not lose their first love. And I pray this in the powerful and strong name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen. John, for uh, sharing uh, your passion with us. <clears throat> uh, my name is uh, Steve King, and I have the privilege of uh, being the personnel chair for the last uh, five years. Um, uh, tonight, we want to, on behalf of the deacons board and us as a congregation, uh, we certainly want to uh, uh, be able to recognize uh, John. And I think he's, maybe you've just come on back up here, buddy. I stalled pretty good there, didn't yeah, I? That's good. <laughs> so. um, you know, as I thought about 
the few words that I'd be able to say in a very short time for uh, uh, John specifically. And it occurred to me, it kind of, my mind kept going back to um, a series that uh, Pastor Rick gave us in Daniel. And what it sort of spoke to me was Daniel was this person who, who basically served in the, you know, the secular world, and he interpreted visions for the king. And over time, he continued to be presented with these visions, and, and Pastor Rick talked about how he was constantly going back to the Lord. So I, I went to Daniel and kind of read it through the complete passage, and I thought, you know, it kind of occurred to me that, you know, we have a, a, a man here who, that's what his passion is. There was, for me, three key things that Daniel always held to. He was faithful, he had great wisdom, and he was a visionary. And that's what you're going to need to do. And when you go to temple, those are the types of qualities uh, that you've developed over that time. And so I encourage you to constantly look at Daniel because that helps me, reminds me of you. So I thought there was one particular moment in Daniel that I'd, I'd like to read from, from the scriptures, and it's found in uh, Daniel 2, uh, verse uh, number tw- uh, starting in number 20. And basically, Daniel's interpreted his first, um, his first vision, and then he comes back, and Daniel praises to the God of heaven, and he says, Praise be the, to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. Hmm. He changes times and seasons... He sets up kings and deposes, and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you, you have made known to us the dream of the king. And I just want to thank you, John, on behalf of this congregation. Uh, We have a very small presentation. I I think of countless meetings, and thank goodness there was a a lot of uh, things up there I don't need to go through, but counseling sessions, weddings, funerals, bedside visits, regular prayer for people, preaching, teaching, mentoring, discipling, Hockey. <laughs> I schooled you a bit, didn't I? Well, you ran into me. Yeah. yeah. How did that work out? I lost. Yeah. Uh, baseball, basketball. Um, just, you know, he's just, he's just an all-around guy. He's, he's just an all-around guy. And uh, that's what makes him so special. So uh, I'm just going to give you this small. This is a... Uh, normally... What you have to do if you last 10 years here, which a number of people have, uh, at the annual meeting, we're able to present that. But John's 10 years was in March, and he won't be here at the annual meeting. Okay, so uh, we're presenting him with 10 years and a small gift. And uh, we just, on behalf of Calvary Baptist Church, thank you so much. Thanks, Peter.
Well, you, you can't do ministry alone. No. And so I need to call Lori, if she would, please. Come forward. And Lynn, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, you saw some of the testimonies from some of the people, and Lori has been a, a, a great ministry partner in Calvary Baptist Church here. She's been involved, for some of you may not realize, but, you know, she did a lot of singing early on mm-hmm. uh, when you were here, and, you know, things, other things like children, you know, come along, and there aren't as much time. She's done great teaching here. She's been involved in nursery. She's mentoring. She's a great prayer warrior. Okay, and uh, we're just so uh, blessed to have have you here as part of our church family. And so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mm. Thanks, Thanks. Thank you very much. I think Rick is going to come. John and Lori, I just have a couple of things to say. I'll keep them short, although I'd like to say a lot more. There's a lot more could be said. Um, in addition to the other, the, the pastors that you mentioned here, uh, our good friend John Thompson is here as well, pastor of Crothers Creek and great friend of John's and Lori's as well. And uh, I, think, I think having um, some of our other friends in ministry here tonight is really... Um, the right atmosphere for what this evening is all about. Yeah. It's, it's a greater kingdom reality that we're talking about tonight. Can I just and, say one uh, thing about that real quick? One second. Well, I this is actually my time to talk. I know, but... <laughs> But you're, you're, you're only going to be thing. my boss for Here's another the two weeks. Too much, you see, this is, what's been, this is what's been happening over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Now that he thinks he's a big shot senior pastor... He, he thinks now that uh, we're, we're co-equal. Tr- okay, John, whatever. Don't the scriptures say to honor what, one another? Whatever, John. Go ahead, whatever. I just wanted to say about, about John Thompson. Um, this man, in a time where I just was crying out to the Lord, he came to me on the day that his, his wife was in labor with his only son and came and prayed with me. And that's the type of um, pastors we have in this region. And... Um, it's awesome, and I think that God's going to use this region in great ways for the kingdom. So, anyway, may, may I speak now, yeah, yeah, sir? Sorry. I just had to say that, sir. I don't know if I can take another two months of this. <laughs> anyway, I get the I get the distinct feeling that John Thompson has been the sounding board for all the annoying things I've done. And uh, no. <laughs> anyway, the, the the truth is, um, y- you know. I love, John loves the, the churches that love the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him. And, and we are just a church, uh, a small part of the immense work that God does around the world, that he does in, in this region, and that uh, our partnership with Temple Baptist in Cambridge is, is real and vital and means a lot to us. And, and, and so... As much as we like to hold everything to ourselves or in our own natural self, the truth is, uh, this evening is a, a testimony to the right that our Lord has to call his servants wherever he wants them to be and do whatever he wants to do. And, uh, and we're, 
we're fans, we're, we're cheering for the kingdom of God, first and foremost. And, and that's what this is all about. But I just wanted to say a couple of things specifically. And that, uh, John, um, it's true, we have been brothers for 23 years. I mean, we've known each other, and, um, and that's, I hope, to, to be continu- a continued story. But we have worked directly together, or been directly together, for 14 years. That's a long time. Um, three years in Chatham and, and 11 years here almost. And I've learned a number of things about John and I just feel I need to, to share them briefly with you. Some of the things that jump to the top of the list, John, are, are integrity. You're a, you're a man of impeccable integrity. And I respect that. You're a man of an incredible grace. Um, it oozes from you, the grace of Christ. Uh, one of your strong points, John, is you're so quick to ensure relational health. If John uh, thought that we were out of sync just a touch, he'd be in my office so quickly, making sure we're okay. You know, keeping short accounts with the Lord, keeping short accounts with one another, John, you champion that. It's a great quality you have. It's a blessing to people who are around you. It means a lot. You're loyal and teachable. Those are incredibly priceless values that have been so meaningful to me. You're a theological sounding board for me. I guess I'll have to make long-distance phone calls now for that. (laughs) You were closer. Your deep love for the Lord and the lost is off the scale. You walk with God. It's abundantly obvious to us all. You helped me at the very beginning, John, to get this team off the ground. And I really brought you here with the thoughts that you'd be replacing me. And I really did. And I'd hoped you'd be along, around long enough to do that. Mm. But um, the Lord is choosing to reassign you, which is his total prerogative. Although you're trying to replace me in these last couple of months, I've noticed. You have Are your we own, good? Are we okay? You have your own church now. <laughs> you have your own church now, okay? So back off. <laughs> I was going to invite you to be the speaker. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and John relentlessly influenced me to, to the value of small groups. And that was a battle, battle royal. One that you won, John. Six years. As a key discipleship, <laughs> as, as, a, as a key discipleship strategy here. I like to get people in big groups like this, you know, John. Yeah, that's yeah. me. And, uh, but God bless you for that. Relentless at keeping prayer ever before us as a congregation, before us as a team, in all we did together always. Relentless in prioritizing the scriptures as the key tactical consultation reference. Bless you for that, John. You're known by all of us, the whole team is the pastor of love therapy. And um, we've had lots of good-natured fun about that. John's the love pastor. (laughs) Before, during, and after. He's... uh, I like to uh, 
As most people around here know, I like to verbalize extreme thoughts uh, with certain people and see how it shakes out. And John has been the brunt of most of that. Helped me sift my thoughts before they become action. He's learned over the years to not take me too seriously initially. And um, John has been a key part of our very relational team, by the way. We are a tight group of brothers. If you don't know that, you're, you're missing the obvious. Um, we're an iron sharp and iron group of guys. We um, speak the truth to each other in love. We don't hold back. And because of that, we hold together. And um, John is a great loss to our team. Huge loss. And Lori, I want you to know as well, you're a, great, you're a huge loss to us as well. You're a great, a great woman of God, and I respect you greatly. Um, what a great job you have done as a mother, as a pastor's wife, um, as a mentor of, of women here at our church, as a, an example of godly, godliness, Lori. Um, God has shaped you for this moment that he's now calling you to. And uh, we respect you so highly, how you have respected your husband. And I know you respect him. I know you love him dearly. Man, don't, I, you know, I'm not saying anything about Johnny in front of Lori, that's for sure. Mm. And, uh, and rightly so. I believe in that kind of loyalty. And, um, and, uh, God, God is going to use you and continue to use you greatly, Lori, and, and you will be greatly missed by us, and we, we love you very much, and, and I love both of you as well because you are quick off the mark to be an encourager to me, and um, Lori, you've been a great encouragement to me, and so I appreciate that so much in you. Um, John's, John's absence is going to be a significant spiritual loss to this congregation. I want you to know that. And when this young man walks out of this church for the last time, at least 20 of you young men need a spiritual upgrade immediately, or this church is going to suffer a significant spiritual loss. And I mean that. I mean that seriously. We wish you would stay, John. But we want you to go because God is calling you away. I'm going to ask our, um, our deacons and our pastoral team to join me here on the platform, if you would, please. I just want to say, as they're making their way here, one of the, I think, characteristics and nature of Calvary Baptist Church, which I am incredibly thrilled to be part of is that God has shaped this church to be a sending church. Over the years, long before I arrived here, uh, but Calvary has a history, a rich history, and God entrusts something very special to this church. Uh, to be entrusted as a sending church is a very significant honor of the Lord. And um, through the years, God has raised up young men and young women uh, from this congregation, developed them here, 
and sent them off into the world to make a difference for Christ. And he's continuing to do that. And, and you are um, a congregation who has embraced the value of developing your young people, our young people, building them up in the faith, giving them courage, helping them to believe that through Christ and by faith in him they can accomplish great things. And then God entrusts us to send those people Amen. to various places, whether it's close or far away. And John, uh, you're not only a brother of mine, but, but I consider you like a son. And God has been teaching me about letting go of children. And I don't like it one bit. <laughs> and uh, I got a daughter in Texas tonight, and she's going to then be in South Carolina, and I had a kid in Africa, and you know, you know the deal. And I don't like it one bit. But I, I love that God is doing this in my kids' lives. And I believe in it. And I know that for the most part, I'm probably going to say goodbye to all of them. And I'm saying goodbye to you, a son. God's preparing me for that. But that's because God has created a sending church. You come here. You bring your kids here. God's going to grow them up. He's going to develop them. And he's going to place them somewhere strategically for his glory. Amen. That's what's going to be. And that's a great thing. The Temple Baptist Church, there's a few of you here tonight. Can I just say this to you? We have been entrusted here at Calvary Baptist Church with this gift from God named John and Lori Family. If you take a gift for granted or abuse it, God will rescue it away. It says in the Word of God that in Ephesians chapter 4 that the Lord God Christ gave gifts to churches. Mm. Among those gifts he gave, he gave pastors to his people to teach people to love and serve God so that the people of God will be built up for three major things. To demonstrate and live out unity in the faith. Knowledge of the Son of God. That means to really know Him. And maturity in Christ-likeness. Now, who of us doesn't want those qualities in our lives? And God places... The gift of leadership, pastoral leadership, to be responsible, front line, to do that. And we trust as a congregation that we have been faithful to nurture that in John. And so we pass it on to you to value as much as we do this gift from the Lord Christ Himself. We want you to know that we want you to take this message back to the congregation. That accountability for Jonathan, Lori, and the family is now over to you. Handle with care, with prayer, and with love and respect. 
He's been placed over you by the Lord for your well-being, which is truly an act of how much the Lord loves you, that he would give you Jonathan and Lori, that he would give you a shepherd of this caliber tells us that he really loves you. And John, I can assure you, will give himself to you fully. He will give himself first to the Lord. You can count on that. And then to you. Now we, I mean the leadership here at Calvary Baptist Church, and on behalf of our whole church family, are going to pass God's gift officially over to you in obedience to his wishes. His will. And here's what I'm going to pray that you will do. And know this, that the blessing on temple will be in direct proportion to your obedience to this scripture text. It's found in Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no advantage to you. And now I'm going to, we're going to lay hands on John, Lori, guys, please join me here. And we're going to, as an official act, commission you, John, as the Ephesian elders did on the shores, the Apostle Paul, with tears as they sent him off and parted ways. And we're going to do that tonight, brother. Our Father and our God, we want to, as a congregation, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for entrusting your servant, Jonathan Stairs, to this congregation for this decade. What a blessing he has been to us. He and Lori, oh God, we love them. We thank you so much for them. They truly have been a gift to us. Father, I, what I said, I'm simply offering as a prayer tonight. This is what John is and what he's meant to us. And I thank you for that as I've shared with the congregation, Father, what he means to to me. This is what he means to us. This is what you've built into him, and he's built into us. He's made a difference in our lives. And Father, I pray as we commission him on because of the great value we have for him, that Temple Baptist Church in Cambridge, who are the beneficiary of your love for them and to send this servant to them, Lord, I pray that they'd love him. Lori, kids, they'd pray for him. They would serve with him. They would respect his leadership. Grant him the biblical authority that you have given to him as overseer of the church. And Father, they would recognize your, your great heart in him. Uh, Father, I pray that you would grant John the wisdom now that, is, as Steve has mentioned, is commensurate with the responsibility you called him to. Lord, upgrade his skills and his ability. 
Lord, you've gifted him immensely. I pray that you would upgrade his giftedness, that you would enable him, Lord, to respond to this call in his life. And Lord, as we lay hands upon him, we're asking that by your spirit, you would empower him afresh with, with fresh vision and fresh enthusiasm and fresh excitement and fresh desire and a, and a fresh work of God in his life. And that, Lord, you would um, help him to dream big dreams and great things by faith, trusting you for great and mighty things. I pray, Father, that, that Temple Baptist Church Cambridge would become a, a greater church in the work of God. I pray, Father, that many lives would be transformed in that place, that they would reach that neighborhood and extend around through that golden triangle area, Father, and make an impact, a powerful impact for Christ. I pray, Father, that they, they would, they would uh, take their place among all of the other great churches that are there, serving God and, and serving with fresh enthusiasm. And I pray, Lord, that um, they truly would listen to you and, 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 uh, and position themselves for the, the next generation and the next work that you've called them to until the Lord comes and takes us to be with himself. Lord, I pray that you would, you would uh, give John the kind of leadership insight that he needs to, to exegete the community and understand the role you've called him to. Lord, I pray that he would know what, what you want him to do there, what you want to accomplish with that church, what you want his life to be and what, you want, what kind of a leader you want him to be. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring around him great leaders Bring around him iron that would sharpen iron. I pray that you'd build a big team around him. Lord, I pray for Aaron there. Uh, young Aaron Ottaway. Thank you for him. Uh, grow him. May he be a great, um, a great Jonathan for Jonathan. And I pray, Lord, that, um, that you would um, give Lori uh, great friends and, and, and help her in her ministry, Lord, to make an impact in the women there. I pray, Father, that she'd make an impact with the mothers and and uh, that the kids would, f- would find friends and, and that they'd uh, fit into that congregation and, and love to go to church there like they love to come to church here. And Lord, I pray that that church would grant them great opportunities to grow as young uh, men and uh, a young woman of faith in Christ and, and uh, great, be granted great opportunities to grow in the Lord and, and, and be used and their giftedness to be used and to, to excel and be everything that Christ wants them to be. I pray that that church would develop them into strong young champions for Christ Amen. and that they would set Amen. the world on fire mm-hmm. and other kids like them who are presently in that church. And so now, Lord, I just pray with thanksgiving for John. May the God of peace who, through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you, John, for everything good, for doing his will. And may he work in Calvary Baptist Church and Temple Baptist Church and the other churches that are represented and the churches we love who love Christ. What is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
know much of life is bitter sweet, is it not? And so it's bitter to say goodbye to John, but so that we can have something sweet about tonight, we got some cake downstairs. <laughs> so we're going to invite you all to just join us in the fellowship hall, that we might have a great time of, of fellowship. Let me just dismiss us in prayer. We'll pray for the food that we're going to enjoy and and thank God for just an amazing day. This has been a great day in the house of the Lord. He's done such amazing things among us. Father, we want you to know we love you. We thank you. We can't thank you enough for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he means to us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for growing us. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for entrusting to us ministry in this region. Father, thank you for our they're great pastor brothers who are here tonight. Lord, I love them. I thank you for them. Thank you for the work we share together in this, this great enterprise of reaching this huge region for Christ. Lord, we're, not, we're just making a small dent in it. Lord, we want to reach everybody for Christ in this region. So raise up more leaders. Raise up more churches, we pray. And our Father, I pray tonight as we have this time of fellowship and friendship, um, Downstairs, uh, thank you for the food you've prepared. Thank you for our love in Christ. Thank you for unity and faith in Christ. We praise you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.